we're going to talk about stress. Anybody ever dealt with stress? <laughs> Every day, <laughs> all the time. And so we have officially entered the Christmas season, and it's a wonderful season, but it's a season of busyness. It's a season of baking and shopping and decorating and visiting and parties and so on and so forth. And Christmas time can and should be a wonderful time of joy, and it should be that way for everybody. But in a lot of cases, that's not the case. In a lot of cases, Christmas is, it can be one of the most stressful times of the year. Sometimes we have unreasonable expectations on ourselves. It can hit us in so many different areas. It can hit us financially. It can hit us with time, frustration. Um, you know, you go out there to go buy something specific, and then you get out there, and guess what they don't have? the very thing you went after and you just felt like you spent hours and everywhere there's crowds and, and everybody's irritated and, and frustrated. And, and uh, you know, that is a reality in life. There's no way that we can run away from stress and just simply not have any more. Uh, I heard someone say one time to another preacher, he said, well, preacher, I want you to pray with me that I won't have any more problems with the devil. And he looked at him and he said, well, do you want me to pray that you die? And he, because that's the only way that's going to happen. You know, the reality is we're on this earth. We may not be of it, but we're here and you're going to have to deal with him. Well, it's kind of like that with stress. You know, there's no way to just simply remove yourself from it, uh, but you can deal with it as it comes. And that's what I want to talk about today, how to keep stress out of our life. Stress comes knocking on the door of all of our lives, every single one of us. It comes knocking on the door and you can either open the door and let it in or you can choose to close the door and say, no, I'm not accepting you. And uh, it's all on you. You choose. You know, it's so easy for us to blame someone else for the challenges we're going through, difficulties sometimes. In fact, we find it pleasurable and easier to just blame someone else. And the reality is, is that you're you and you control you. No one made you do anything. The devil can't make you do anything. Even God himself can't make you do something. He won't do it. I guess he's, he could, but he won't. Okay? He made man with a free will. And we choose. All right? Uh, we're not puppets on a string. And so in life, we need to consider that. That However you react or however you respond to something is all on you, not someone else. You can't blame your spouse. You can't blame the government. You can't blame a money situation. You're still you and how you deal with things. And that's what we want to talk about today is ourselves. Everybody point at yourself. Point at yourself say, it's all about me. All right. <laughs> In other words, sometimes we think, wow, that would be great for someone I know. <laughs> I hear something like that. I hear a message. And I'm thinking, man, that would just be wonderful. I know three people that need to hear that. And I want to say, look in the mirror, buddy. You're the one that needs to hear it. And so uh, you need to work on you. There's many times I've heard things. This would be great for my wife, you know. But the reality is I probably am the one who needs it, not her. And so we want to go ahead and focus on ourselves. Jesus said this in Matthew 6:34. In the New Living, it says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, let's look at it again, because we can read over that, oh, you know, that's good, okay, and, and not really grab a hold of what Jesus is saying. Look with me on the screen there. 
So don't worry about tomorrow. So what should we be doing about tomorrow? We should not be worrying, right? So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries, or we could say its own cares or its own troubles. Everybody say this with me. Say there's trouble coming. (laughs) You don't got to go look for it. It will find you. All right. There is trouble around the corner. You say, well, that isn't a very good faith statement. That isn't a good way to say it. Well, I didn't say we wouldn't overcome it. Amen. I, I, but the reality is, is that we live in a fallen world and there's going to be challenges and difficulties. There's people in this world. You just take a bunch of people and put them in any environment. There's going to be issues. I mean, you've got to get together with your family soon for Christmas. There's going to be issues. I mean, it's just going to happen, you know. And uh, I've said this before, that anything that can be misunderstood will be misunderstood if there's more than two people involved. That's what I meant to say, okay? Sometimes i got to go back in the filing cabinet and pull things out, you know. I didn't have that in my notes. <laughs> but the fact is, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Everybody say it with me. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen to that, right? I mean, I don't need any more. And that's what Jesus is saying. Don't go looking for more trouble. There's enough today already. There's enough issues. There's enough challenges today. Don't even think about tomorrow. How many would agree with me that each day brings enough trouble for that day, right? We don't need any more than what we already have. That's why worrying about tomorrow is setting yourself up for failure. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I didn't design, God didn't design you to worry. I didn't design you to worry. You were not designed to carry care and concern and worry in your life. Worrying isn't helpful. Tell me something that worry ever accomplished. Worry never accomplished anything. You, you, some of you may have heard this before, but it was a, a, an unknown quote that worry is like a rocking chair. Works real hard, but goes nowhere. In other words, nothing gets accomplished except bad things. It, it affects your physical health, your mental health. It can affect your relationships in a negative way. And so worry has no benefits. This is exactly why Jesus said here that I want you to focus on today only. Don't concern yourself with tomorrow. In other words, if we'll obey the Lord and refuse to worry, refuse to allow worry in our life, He'll strengthen us and help us deal with the troubles of that day. Tomorrow is another day. So let's just focus on today. So one of the things we need to keep in mind when we talk about how to keep stress out of our life is don't worry about tomorrow. Just let that go. Okay, now that's out of the way. Now let's just focus on today. What am I going to do today? And so what I want to do is give you four principles you can practice in your life that will help you keep stress out of your life. If you'll do these things, they will help. Again, stress is going to come a knocking, but you don't have to answer that door. You can say, no, I don't want stress. You know, just this morning... I'll make myself vulnerable, okay? Just this morning, I had a few issues. I I wasn't necessarily rushed, but I was making myself rush to do something because I wanted extra time. And so I was working really, really hard and going really, really fast. And I did a few things that caused me to, you know, lose this, can't find that, can't do this. And I'm boiling up. I mean, it's catching up with me, you know? And uh, 
I'm going through all this, and finally I decided, wait a minute now. Here I am going to preach on how to keep stress out, and here I am having an opportunity to stress out right now. And so I'm like, you know, i got to practice what I preach just like everybody else. And so I began to, okay, calm down. It isn't worth it. It's just, you know, Lisa, I'm not mad at you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not mad at this. I'm just, you know, I allowed myself to get stressed out. This is a quote that really will help you see something from uh, Michael LaBeouf. It says this, Most stress is caused by people who overestimate the importance of their problems. Now let me, let me say that again because it's really good. Most stress is caused by people who overestimate the importance of their problems. The reality is we can overstress on something that really isn't that important. I'll give you a good example. My wife loves to bake around this time and, and try to make lots of little goodies and, you know, these fancy little candy things. And, and guess what? Things don't always turn out like she planned, especially if it's something new or she's trying to do three or four things at one time. And she does not like it when things don't turn out. Now, I'm going to say that again so you can all grab this, okay? She does not like it when things don't turn out, okay? She can allow stress to overwhelm her. I back away. You know, if any of the kids are around, you know, they're not, they don't live there, but if they're around, they back away, you know? Even the dog, <laughs> you know? Give her some room. Honey, I'm going to go take care of this. <laughs> and I'll leave. Why? Because she wants it to come out perfect. And she, I have seen her ah, go to the trash can. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, Lisa, they weren't that bad. <laughs> I mean, you could have, we could have ate them. <laughs> you know, they didn't look pretty, but the taste good. You know? <laughs> you know, but the fact is, is that that's a prime example. To her, it's important, okay? She wants it to look perfect and right you know what I'm saying and so in her mind she can allow something to get what bigger than it needs to be the reality is no one knew she was going to make it so if she threw it away and store-bought something and put it on a nice pan would anybody know the difference chill out you know just relax and see that what but what I'm trying to say is it's easy for me to say that because I wasn't the one in her shoes doing that but you all know what I'm talking about. I mean, we can get that way and things aren't working out in whatever area of life that might be and we can let it blow up. We can get frustrated. And guess what? That's a very uncomfortable place to be. It's not a fun place to be. You don't even like yourself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't even like yourself because you're just, you know, you, you guys have all seen that Snickers commercial where somebody's acting like a bear and then they give them a Snicker and they turn into another person, you know? It's because their blood sugar was a little bit low. But the reality is we've all been there, you know. And that's not a nice place. That's just not a nice place to be. You're not a nice person. And so we want to avoid that, amen. We want to learn how do I keep stress out of my life so I can keep cool and calm all the time, amen. So number one, the first thing we need to do, uh, I'm not necessarily saying you've got to do these things in order, but uh, focus on things that are peaceful. So we're taking notes. Focus on things that are peaceful. And what I mean is, you see stress coming at you, all right? You can almost feel it, you know? Your blood starts pumping, your things just, you know? You, so what you, do, you need to do is change your focus, all right? Change your focus to things that are peaceful. Philippians 4.8 says this in the New Living. 
It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Everybody say that with me. Fix your thoughts. Okay? Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What is he saying here? Think on good things. In other words, Catch your thoughts, because right now you're not on good things. And he's saying, fix your thoughts. Now, if the Word of God tells us that we can control our thoughts, we can control our thoughts. In other words, this says right here, fix your thoughts. You adjust your thoughts. You force your thoughts to go this way, away from this way. All of us can do that, all right? We all have that ability. Now, here's the deal. You may have to, 10 seconds later, (laughs) fix your thoughts again. And fix your thoughts again. And fix your thoughts again. And fix your thoughts again. Until you finally got control over it. And you're good. So you may have to focus a little bit. But focus on things that are peaceful. You know, our culture, if you're not aware of it, is very noisy. It's disruptive. It's always something going on. There are people that can't go to sleep without a TV on. Or radio, music, something. They always have to have noise. Noise everywhere. You know what? That can cause chaos. That can cause you to be stressed out. Why? You can't do, regardless of what you think you can do, you cannot do multiple things at once and do them well. All right? Even a mom. (laughs) And a mom who's got one kid tugging here, one kid tugging here, and trying to do this and trying to do that is remarkable. And I have a lot of respect. But the reality is we can't do, we can't, we're not designed to multitask very long. We can only do so much. We can only handle so much. And if we want to do something well, we need to focus on something and then move on to the next thing and the next thing. Well, when it comes to life, our culture can be noisy, disruptive. It's not calm. It's not peaceful. Everything is loud. Everything is noisy. And what we have to do is recognize that. All of most of our entertainment can be very explosive. Some downright destructive. In other words, the things we think, I'm going to sit down and watch a television show and relax. Well, that's just relaxing. That's calm, you know. I mean, you get all this intense things going on and, and you can just feel your, your knuckles are grabbing something. And, and you're, you're, you know what I mean? That, that's not relaxing. That's not calm. That's not, that, and here you are trying to de-stress. That's not going to help, all right? What you need to do is laugh some. You need to to relax. You need to get out away from this noisy environment. One of the things I like to do personally, I don't live out in the country, okay? But where I live, I could, you know, go take a walk and and there's nice pretty trees. And I can take a couple of areas that kind of get me out of the main traffic. And what I love to do, uh, me personally especially in the spring and fall, is just get off by myself some and just go take a walk. Usually in the evening when the hustle and bustle of everything is slowed down a little bit and there's no one around, no one will see me, and I just take a nice walk, especially when it's cool. I love that. And I'll take a nice walk, and what I'll do is I'll just start talking to the Lord. I'll just start communicating with Him. Lord, I just want you to know uh, I love you and I appreciate you. I thank you so much for all you're doing in my life. And, and I, I might praise him for a little bit. I might, I might just pray for a little while. I might cast all my cares on him and just thank him for watching over me. But what I do is I step away from life. 
I step away from all the busyness and the activity and just step away from it. You'll see this example with Jesus many times in Scripture. You'll see where he got up a great while before dawn. Why? Because he couldn't find any peace and quiet. Every time he'd get out in public, what would happen? (laughs) They were all over him. I mean, he had to have some time to just him and the Lord and to reconnect and to fellowship with the Lord. And, and so he would be full enough to be able to minister to all these people, to serve them, to help them. You can't do everything. There's too many people that try to be all for everything. God didn't design you for that. You need to take some time for you and fill up your own tank. Take care of you. And that means, that doesn't mean you've got to take a week off, guys. It just means stop and say, I'm taking a half an hour, me and the Lord, and I don't care where I am, what I'm doing, and this is the time, and I, I'm leaving my phone. You take your phone, sure, shoot, and the devil will make sure six people call you or text you. You know, leave your phone. I mean, you will survive. Because there's some people think somehow that phone is attached to their heart, and if they move that phone too far away, you know, and it's over. Leave your phone, okay? Or turn it off at least. And just, you know, if you need it for emergency, go take a drive if it's too, if it's not nice or you're not into that. Go take a drive into the country and just grab yourself your favorite drink. Get a good worship, you know, some music or something and just go pray. Just get away from everything. You, oh, I'm telling you guys, it would do wonders for you. I mean, you would just feel so free and so focused and, and wonder, why can't I live this way all the time? Guess what? You can. You can. It doesn't have to be this frazzled mess going on all the time where I, don't, I, I, I want to focus on something, but I am having a hard time because there's this and this and this and this and this and this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, that's not the way life should be. Life should be a little bit more focused. And so Larry, uh, uh, we were talking last night, and he was telling me how he just did that himself yesterday. And he said, man, it was just so good. Now, his thing is hunting, okay? I'm not out there killing any animals. I was out there spending time with the Lord. If I saw Bambi, great, but Bambi can get away from me. But he went out there for, he said it wasn't long, maybe 45 minutes, an hour. And he did go out there intending to maybe get something if he could. But he said what he did was he just ended up spending some time praying and just by himself in the woods, listening to the sounds of everything and just calm, centered, focused. I, I'm, I, I'm not thinking of everything in life, you know. And if we would do that more in our own lives, uh, I'm telling you guys, it'll benefit you greatly. And that getting calm, think about what, what gets you calm, okay? What, what is the thing that you can do uh, I really do think that's one of the reasons God created nature the way he did. I mean, couldn't God have just said, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make the earth, and it's all going to be grass, just grass everywhere. Could he have done it? Instead, what did he do? He made it all unique. Here's hills over here and mountains over there and rivers and valleys and streams and trees and of all kinds. and all we, I mean, he could have just said, it's going to be uh, oak trees only. And it's going to be grass. That's it. That's all we're going to see. Oak tree. And they're all identical. Oak tree, oak tree, oak tree, oak tree, oak tree. Flat as could be, all grass. But he didn't make it that way. He made it interesting. He made it... You ever notice how the sky is painted sometimes at night? Sun begins to set and clouds are just at a certain way. How often are you taking time to appreciate that? It's just... It's not a matter of, wow, you know, uh, look what God just did. He's doing it all the time. 
And what you need to do is just stop life and just enjoy it. Many of you live out in the country. Dear Lord, get out there and enjoy the stars. I mean, get out there and just just sit there for a little while and just pray and just thank God uh, for how big he is and how wonderful he is and that as big as you can see. Because when you see all those stars, guys, they are millions and millions and millions of miles apart. How big that is, how grand that is, and yet he's thinking of me. He loves me. And yeah, I'm telling you, it'll do wonders for you. But find something. Get some good music. And I don't mean secular music. I mean get some good worship calm songs you know not ones that you know got a beat that makes you want to move i mean just something calm and just worship god it will do wonders so again that first thing focus on things that are peaceful find some things that are peaceful in your life secondly work with god in difficult circumstances work with god in difficult circumstances originally i had collaborate with god but i thought work with god a little bit easier for everybody to get. Work with God. But work with God in difficult circumstances. Romans 8.28 says this. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Now, you know, when we see this verse, a lot of people will quote the first part. Well, all things work together for those, you know, who love God. They don't focus on that they just focus on god is working on my behalf god is working for those uh he's helping them he's getting things fixed just trust him well there is a part of that we need to get for those who love god everybody say that with me for those who love god he's not doing that for those who don't (laughs) so look at the verse again there sitting there just just read it that way and we know that god causes everything to work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. So those who don't love God, those who who just simply live their life for themselves, they can't claim this verse. It's those who love God, those who are seeking God, those who care what God thinks about things in their life. They are focused and living for the Lord. Then this will work for them. But God will work for them. Anybody here ever, ever been through a difficult time in life? Raise your hand. Every hand ought to go up, man. Two, three. I mean, we've all been through difficult times, challenges, hard times. And sometimes it seems like they come in seasons, doesn't it? Seems like you're going fine, and then all of a sudden you never hear the, you know, the expression, when it, when it, it rains, it pours. <laughs> it's like, man, I was doing great, and bum, 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 bum. All of a sudden I hit all these bumps in a road, and then it gets worse and worse and worse and worse till all four tires are flat, so to speak, in life. In other words, it's like one thing after another. And it seems like I finally get through them, and then it seems like it's okay, and then something else will come. Well, again... We live in a fallen world. Bad things are going to happen. We, we got a bad devil out there working against you. His goal is to what in your life? To steal, to kill, to destroy. He's working against you. You're not out there just on your own doing your thing. You've got an enemy. And the enemy is trying to deter you. He's trying to wreck things in your life. He's trying to destroy things in your life. And so you're going along. You need to remember that. A lot of times we go through life and we're forgetting we got an enemy. Now, we also have God on our side, amen, who will help us be victorious over the enemy every time, but we have to be working with God. We have to be working with Him. We can't just be doing our own thing. A lot of the times, 
when Christians pray, it's sad to say they only go to the Lord when they've, their back's against the wall, where they don't know what else to do. Why didn't you go to him when the first thing popped its head and said, Lord, I need some help with this, before it became a monster? In other words, back when it was still a mohill. You know, it was a tiny thing. Now it's a huge thing, and you've done everything. You've exhausted yourself and everything you can do. Now I'm going to go to God. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you, he was sitting there thinking, Honey, I would have helped you the entire time. And you would have got, listen to me, God can do in your life in 10 seconds what could take you a lifetime to do. And so involve him. Get him involved in your life. Right away. Many Christians suffer stress because they struggle with the fight against inevitable conditions you can't control everything there are certain things in life that you just can't control that are out of your control and so why fight it real hard why not just pray and work with god i'm not saying god's behind it and god's the cause god's a good god he's your answer not your problem but the reality is sometimes we're trying to push a wall that we're just not able to push and so what we need to do is say, well, maybe there's a different way. How many believe God can think of a lot of different ways to move a wall? Right? In other words, you're trying to do something. You're working so hard trying to do it your way when the reality is you should back up and say, Lord, I want to work with you. You direct me. You show me what to do. And when we cooperate with God like that, we can accomplish a lot more. Jesus conquered stress because he did not fear about difficult situations. He didn't get into worry and fear about it. What did he do? He simply turned them into possibilities and opportunities. He didn't sit there and say, huh, and pout in the corner. I don't know what to do. I mean, no, what would he do? He'd say, well, it looks like God's got, God. this is a big problem, but I serve a bigger God. And so, Lord, what do you want to do? How do you want to handle that? Go to the Lord for help. Seek Him and say, Lord, I I want to help you. I want to work with you. But you don't have to be on your own. Again, as I mentioned earlier, you're not designed to carry the weight of this world. You're not capable of it. It's going to break you. But what did Jesus say? All you who are weary and overworked, come to me. Come to me. In other words, I'll relieve that burden in your life. You know that life is not supposed to be really, 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 really hard? Life is supposed to be full of joy. What does the Bible say about joy? The joy of the Lord is your strength. The reason you're weak, the reason you feel like, oh, I just can't do this anymore, I just can't handle this anymore, is because you're carrying what you shouldn't be carrying. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So in other words, you need more joy if you're weak. And how do you get joy? What is in the presence of the Lord? Fullness of joy. And so what you're not doing is you're not at His feet. You're not spending time with Him. See, it, is, it gets back to seek first the kingdom of God. Many people, when they hear that verse, Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God, they think, well, yeah, that means go to church and that means read your Bible every day. And, and have some prayer in there somewhere. No, that's not what it means. Yes, those things are important, but what it means is seek first the kingdom of God every day in everything. Seek first the kingdom of God in how you handle your money. 
Seek first the kingdom of God in your thought life. Seek first the kingdom of God in your words. Seek first the kingdom of God in your marriage. Seek first the kingdom of God with your children. Seek first the kingdom of God in your work. And it was, what does God say about this and then do it? That's seeking first the kingdom of God. And what did the Lord say if we would do that? He said, everything in this life that you need would be added to you. You won't have to work and struggle and try to make things happen. They would come to you almost like a magnet draws metal. You'll draw the blessings of God to you by you seeking first. But it's not a matter of just, well, what are the four things I need to seek, Lord? (laughs) I would like the ABC version. I want three things i got to do. That's not the way it works. It's you giving Him everything all the time. And as you do that, I'm telling you, it's like a magnet. The blessings of God just come to you. Why? Because you're seeking first the kingdom of God. And that was working with God. Sometimes, listen to me carefully, sometimes we must accept situations that we are powerless to change. In other words, there are some things in life I'm not happy about. And I can pray. It doesn't mean stop doing anything. Okay, I still do what I know to do, but I recognize that I can't just immediately just make that change right now the way I want it to be. I can't just do that. And so I'm going to walk towards it. I'm going to do what I know to do. I'm going to work with God, and we're going to see that change. It just may not happen the way you think it might happen. And see, that's the problem, is a lot of the times we don't let God be God in our life. We try to instruct Him. Have you ever prayed this way? Lord, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, and this needs to happen. (laughs) And then you say, thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. And, you know, your job is to believe Him for things according to His Word, but not tell Him how to do it. Don't ever tell God how to be God. That's good preaching right there, guys. A lot of times we pray, and what it is is manipulation. We are trying to tell God how to do and be God. No, your job is to honor His Word. You come to Him with His Word. How He gets the job done is up to Him. There's a lot of people, for example, that are insistent it has to be this way. And they'll spend years of their life trying to make this change, trying to make that happen. And it never happens the way they think that it's going to happen. It's going to be God's way. For example, the Egyptians making it through. Remember when they were on their way to Canaan land and they got around the mountain, remember? And they kept on going around the mountain, kept on going around. How long was it? 40 years. Now, here's the deal, okay? 40 years. Do you know how long the journey was? A couple days. Why did it take 40 years? Because this is the way it's going to be. <laughs> and it's like our school system to some degree, how we just pass kids, you know? We just push them through, whether they learned anything or not, right? God doesn't work that way. You're going to take God's test and you're going to pass it. And he's not going to graduate you unless you pass it. And that's why they spent 40 40 years going around and round and round. The same thing, the same challenge. Have you ever had anything in your life that you feel like you're just going round and round? You're, You're like a hamster in a cage running as hard as you can, but not making any headway, not getting anywhere, not seeing the change you want to see. Well, guess what? It comes back to you. Remember what I said, what's your problem in life? And I'll say, go look at a mirror. 
and you can say, well, I'm going to move. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a new job. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a new spouse. I'm going to get a new this. Well, guess what? You just took your problems with you because you're still there. <laughs> right? How do we get a perfect church? All of us would have to leave. <laughs> because Jesus is the only one that's perfect. We'd all have to get out of his way. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is, understand there are circumstances, there are things in life that at the moment you may be powerless to change. That doesn't mean give up. What it means is do your best and trust God for the rest. Amen? Get out of God's way and let Him work with you because, again, He can move a lot more than you can. Amen? Number three, third principle, comfort others on purpose. Now, this may seem weird. <laughs> comfort others on purpose. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Has God comforted you? Oh, many times for me. Many, many, many times. And see, what I want to do is take that comfort and pass it on to someone else in trouble. Many Christians fail to comfort others as they should, though. In other words, they're too concerned about their own selfish interests. They don't even see that there's people around them that need comfort, that need help. And it was what I'm trying to say here is, let's say you're in the middle of a problem or, or you're having that opportunity for stress in your life, those difficulties, and you did these things and you come to this. Get your thoughts, your words, your actions focused on helping others and get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes off yourself. This can be good medicine for everybody. Number one, you reap what you sow. So if you're out there sowing good seed and helping others and comforting them genuinely, what's going to happen to you when you need it? It's going to come back to you. And you're going to be thankful for it. Think about Jesus. He didn't spend his life saying, come meet my needs, did he? What did he say? He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. That is ministry. The word ministry means to serve. And so he, his whole life was about serving others. Every morning he woke up, he knew, Lord, what can I do today to be a blessing? Lord, use me. And see, that should be our attitude. Think of Jesus when it came to other people. He healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, forgave the sinful. His whole life was about helping others, every moment of every day. And we need to be the same way. He was our example. We need to be not sitting there dwelling on our own issues, but we need to go ahead and be a blessing. I'm telling you, if any of you have ever dealt with depression, don't raise your hand, but you've ever dealt with depression, I think all of us to some degree have dealt with depression in our life, um, but some seem to be stuck in it more a great answer a great solution to that is get your eyes off yourself because that is what depression is me my problems what's going on with me and everything comes back to me get your eyes off yourself you're not designed to live that way god didn't make you that way god made you to help others that's why he called us and made us the body of christ we all work together all these different parts to accomplish something. We're not meant to be loners. God, we're not meant to be, you know, our, our own men. I, I made my own, 
you know, whatever, and I don't need anybody else. God didn't make us that way. No, no, no. We can't be successful that way. So we need to be aware and conscious of how we can help others during difficult times. And again, in the process, we reap what we sow. Number four, constantly trust God with all concerns. Constantly trust God with all concerns. I could say constantly trust God with everything. I really like this verse. This is in the New King James, Psalm 62, 8. It says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Now look at the word Selah. Is that on there? Yeah, Selah. If you didn't know, Selah means think on this. Think, meditate on this. Think on this. This is important. And this is what he's got on there, Selah. He's saying, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Think on this. Think on this. He's telling us to think on this. Constantly trust him. You see, if you and I are to conquer stress, we should be aware of God's presence at all times. And that's what this is showing us. Trust in Him at all times. Remember Hebrews 13.5. If you want to write that down, Hebrews 13.5 says, God will never leave you and never forsake you. I'm telling you what, isn't that good news? Say it with me. Say, the Lord will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He, you know... I've had friends forsake me. I've had family forsake me. I, I, I've had people in my life that just when, when really came darn hard in my life, some of them walked away. But you know, the Lord has never walked away. He has never let me go. I could always count on Him. And you know, He's the one that knows the most about me. <laughs> he knows you. He, you think you're hiding something from someone else. And you are. <laughs> But the reality is with the Lord, He sees right through you, and He loves you anyway. He loves you. And, and you might say, man, I tell you, if, if some people knew what I've done, what I've thought, how I acted, what some of the thoughts were in my mind. I mean, how many of you guys, if I came up with a machine next week that would throw your thoughts on that screen, how many would volunteer? Oh, I'll, I'll go first. You'd say, no way. No way. Okay. No way. Why? Because you wouldn't want everything revealed. You wouldn't want us to know that maybe you didn't have, you know, angel thoughts all the time. You know what I'm saying? In other words, you you get what I'm saying. But the Lord sees all these things and He still will never leave you and He still will never forsake you. Why? He's bound by His Word. He gave you His Word. No matter what, He'll never leave me. That's one of the reasons why our life should be based around Him and His Word. Because He's the only one in our life, and I know this sounds tough, but He's the only one in our life that will never leave us. He will never let us go. And He knows everything about us. Amen? We ought to trust Him and love Him and, and, and give Him everything. That's why it says pour out your heart before Him. When you have a problem in your life, Listen carefully. Go to the Lord. He's there for you. He's the, he, he, several times Jesus in several different ways said, come to me. Come to me and I'll help you. And guess what he won't do? He won't gossip it. <laughs> he won't tell somebody on you. He won't even judge you in a bad way. He'll say, well, let's get that fixed. Let's get that adjusted. Let me help you. 
But a lot of the times, we're just either too embarrassed, too afraid, too much pride, and that gets in the way. And the Lord is sitting there with his arms wide open. Think about the young man. Remember the young man with the inheritance? You had the father, remember? And the, uh, the oldest one hits up for his inheritance and leaves and lives a ridiculous lifestyle. Remember, loses it all. And the other son's there. Remember, he never left. And the father, every day, what was he doing? He was out there looking for his son, open arms. But the whole time, the son thought, I'm not worthy. He wouldn't want me. Maybe if I just beg, if I just ask to be just one of his lowly servants, he might let me in. Was that the father's heart the whole time? No, his father was looking for him all the time. Just like your heavenly father, his arms wide open, saying, come back to me, come back to me. And see, the Bible even says that God's goodness, that he is so good to us, causes us to repent, causes us to want to come back to him. Amen? Don't ever let pride keep you from the Lord. And so what we need to do is we're able to trust God because we're not alone, because we have his promise that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Then the last part of what we should do is practice the presence of God in our life. Practice his presence in our own life. And what I mean by that is just like what I was talking about when I said daily you should get off with the Lord somewhere in your life. Whether that be in your car or take a walk or just step away. I mean, every one of you, even at work, you got a few minute break. When I, well, I was working for a company one time that always kept me busy. <laughs> it seemed like the only, the only way, if I, if I had a break, if I did not leave my desk, was the only way that I was ever going to really get a break. And so what I would do is I would instantly, I couldn't do it all the time, but as much as I could at lunch or a break, I would immediately leave my desk and I would get outside where no one could bother me. And I'd take a walk around the building. And as I would walk around the building, I would spend a little time with the Lord, just loving on Him and, and catching up with Him. And then I'd get back in, charged in, ready to go. And I could handle whatever came at me for the rest of the day. But you can't, you, you can't just recharge, guys, once a year. It's got to be a daily thing. Remember the manna in the Old Testament? Remember when the manna would drop and feed all the Israelites? And what was, the, what was the rule on the manna? Anybody remember? You couldn't keep store any of it other than on uh, before the Sabbath, for the Sabbath. That was the only day they were allowed to store it. But if you tried to store it, if you got stingy and you said, I want to be lazy, I don't want to come out tomorrow, I want to sleep in, and you went ahead and stored extra, it would rot. It would not last. It, none of it would survive. There was no way to keep it. Only the day before the Sabbath because the Lord didn't want him going out working then. He wanted him to take it easy and honor him, and that he would allow it to, to stay. Well, that manna is an example of the Word of God in our life. You need daily manna, daily Word of God, daily time with the Lord. Not weekly, not monthly, not yearly, but daily time. Everybody say daily.